Hello, my name is Thomas McCalman Morton and this is another strange tale from one of Scotland's thin places. South House in Haler, Ronisfoe, is one of the oldest houses in Shetland still habitable and it is named on the 1641 Henricius Hondius map of the islands. In the week before the compulsory lockdown, I self-isolated there in what is now, for the most part, a holiday cottage, as I was betraying at that time some worrying symptoms, and it was important not to infect my wife, who is a working doctor. Fortunately, these symptoms came to nothing, but it was a chance to reacquaint myself with the house and a location which is very special, and very much one of those strange and thin places, with many tales intertwining with its history. Ronisvo is the longest and steepest-sided sea loch or voe in Shetland, and the nearest thing to a fjord the islands possess. It is overshadowed, by the highest peak in Shetland, Ronis Hill, the Roe, referring to its red granite. The Vaux itself was, of course, an important anchorage, both for the herring fleets and indeed for whalers bringing their catches to the busy stations at the end of the Vaux. It is a place where you can feel the history, I always think, where once it was possible to walk right across the Vaux to Abram's Ward from the beach called the Blade and never get your feet wet. Such was the clustering of fishing boats. The old shop, now roofless, was a thriving centre of trade and there was even a trackway. Until recently, bits of the old bogies were being used to hold down boats by the shore. But it's also a place of tragedy, battle, and possibly mass murder. And one of the most one-sided and ignominious victories the Royal Navy ever fought. The Vapen van Rotterdam, captained by Jacob Martens Kloyt, was an 1,100-ton Dutch East Indiaman armed with 60 or 70 cannon and with a company of soldiers aboard. In December 1673, she set sail from the Frisian Islands bound for the Dutch East Indies. There was a war on. The Third Anglo-Dutch War meant the Royal Navy had a stranglehold on the Wappen van Rotterdam's obvious route through the English Channel, so she headed Nortaboot, as they say, the North Route. Bad weather took its toll, she was dismasted, lost her rudder, and with southerly winds prevailing and using who knows what variety of jury rig, she was steered into the shelter of Ronisfoe in Shetland for repairs. And couldn't get out again. A lack of usable wood and the continuing southerly winds meant she was stuck throughout the winter, trading gin and tobacco with the Haler folk, who were more than likely very familiar with Dutch seafarers and fishermen. 
they probably quite enjoyed the fresh Genevere and other goods that just out of port East Indiamen had aboard. It's possible that the ordinary people of North Maven had little notion they were technically at war with the stranded sailors, thanks to the Union of the Crowns under James VI of Scotland, who was also, of course, James I of England. But someone did. Probably a local minister or laird. The Admiralty in London was tipped off, and in February 1674, a flotilla of four ships was sent north to capture the Dutch vessel. HMS Cambridge, captained by Arthur Herbert, later the Earl of Torrington. HMS Newcastle, captained by a man with a very unlikely name, John Wetwang, later Sir John Wetwang. HMS Crown, captained by Richard Carter, and Dove, captained by Abram Hyatt. Dove was wrecked on the way north. We have the legendary diarist Samuel Pepys, chief secretary to the Admiralty, for the detail of what followed and some of the nefarious, greedy, skullduggery, deliberate ignorance or confusion which led to massive bloodshed. Pepys was keen that everything be done swiftly and for a very good reason. A peace treaty had been signed between Holland and Great Britain. Unless the Navy moved fast, they would have no excuse to take that Ronisville prize. Pepys stated that the orders were at the desire of the Royal Highness, Charles II, pointing out on 21st of February that the Treaty of Westminster concluding the war was expected to be published within eight days and any subsequent hostilities were to last no longer than 12 days. The Treaty of Westminster had in fact been signed two days prior to this letter being sent and had been ratified in England the day previously. The three Royal Navy ships remaining, Cambridge, Newcastle and Crown, finally engaged with the Vappen van Rotterdam on the 14th of March. One day after Pepys's original 20-day deadline, and 23 days after the signing of the Treaty of Westminster. The war was over, but not the shooting. There are no details of the battle, though it must have been incredibly one-sided. The three Royal Navy vessels had a rudderless, dismasted ship to deal with in a very confined area, and a Dutch crew and soldiers almost certainly unsuspecting and unready for conflict. Nevertheless, Captain Cloyd decided to fight it out, and he may even have fired the first shot. But it was hopeless. The tragedy is that of the 400 men aboard the Vappen van Rotterdam, Only 100, the captain among them, were transferred to the Crown as prisoners. Some may have been taken aboard other British ships, but it is horrifyingly possible that the Hollander's grave at Haler marks the burial place of 300 Dutch soldiers and sailors. It's also possible that some had already deserted and that even to this day their bloodlines run through Shetlanders. 
As for the Vappen van Rotterdam, she was towed to Harwich and then the Thames. Uh, the crew were sent home and the ship's contents auctioned. Full details were kept of this, and if you search online, you can find that 21 punchins of vinegar went for £84, equivalent to £12,190 today. That she was fit to be towed makes one wonder how much damage was done to her during the battle, and if so many Dutchmen were killed, how that happened without sinking the East Indiaman. At any rate, the Royal Navy captains were well rewarded in prize money and the Wappen van Rotterdam herself became HMS Arms of Rotterdam, ending up as an unarmed hulk. The only mention made of the uncertain legality of the battle came from Samuel Pepys, who told Captain Herbert that the House of Lords had commented long may the civility which you mention of the Dutch to His Majesty's ships continue. In other words, no more fighting lads, or if there is, this time make sure the war is still on. The site of the Hollander's grave is marked today with a small stone and plaque, a piece along the shore from the crab factory towards the blade inhaler. It's possibly the site of a war crime. When you walk down there in the simmer dim, the endless light of the Shetland summer, it has a very poignant atmosphere. But when the sea fog rolls in like a living creature, when the wind drops and the air assumes an odd, opaque deadness, a lack of echo, you can imagine shapes moving there, dozens, hundreds of them. And amid the murmur of sea on shingle, sheep bleating, and seabirds ticking and squawking, you may think you hear conversations. Dutch is a difficult language, though, if you're not a native speaker. <laughs>